Yeah, I'm just thinking like real loose. Um, yeah, just mm-hmm. some just some holiday faves. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special holiday extra credit episode of Did You Do Your Homework, the podcast where we connect academic ideas to pop culture media, although we're going to be doing a little bit less of that today. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, and today I am a professional Pokemon trainer back on that particular bus. (laughs) Uh, I I am joined, as always, by... I'm Pete Romberg, and today I am a... Loser at poker, but a winner at cooking tasty things. We're all winners in our hearts during the holidays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you have a particularly uh, egregious poker game last night? It wasn't egregious, and I felt very good about my loss because it's the classic, like, I did the right things and the cards just weren't in my favor. Mm. I'm so bad at poker that it feels like the cards are never in my favor. (laughs) I'm bad at it. I'm the wild card. I don't quite know what I'm doing. So sometimes my betting is good, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, but no one else knows. (laughs) Uh, We are going to get started today with our uh, traditional greeting for you all by letting you know the last piece of pop culture that we both consumed. Uh, This episode is going to be a little bit lighter, but there's no reason to throw the whole structure out just because we are doing an extra credit episode. Pete, tell us, what is the last media that you experienced? Well, I'm just getting back from walking to the grocery store to prepare food for a Friendsgiving tonight. Uh, And on the way back, I was listening to an audiobook that I've been off and on listening to sort of whenever I run out of podcasts uh, about Ulysses S. Grant. It's not the biography that just came out by Ron Chernow. It's a different biography predating that one, but it's really good. I've got like 20 minutes left in the uh, audiobook, like Grant literally just died. Spoiler. Um, but <laughs> it's it's really good, and um, I learned a lot from it. Plus, I'm always into uh, that period of American history anyway. And what's that one called? Uh, Grant. Possibly colon a life, but uh, let's see who it's by. It is called American Ulysses, A Life of Ulysses S. Grant by Ronald C. White. So not Grant at all. Not Grant at all. In fact, that's the Ron Chernow book, which I was not listening to. Give me that author one more time. Uh, Ronald C. White. Double checking that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh. As for me, um, from my intro, you may have guessed, uh, the new Pokemon games were released on Friday. And since I am a sucker and a slave to this franchise, uh, that is what I have been playing. I had to work yesterday. Otherwise, I just would have sat on my couch and played 12 hours of that game. So and this is like a straight know, up actual Pokemon game on like the DS or whatever, not like a Pokemon Go Correct. Mm, mm -hmm. This is uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, which is uh, the follow-up to last year's Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, So far, the game is pretty similar to the last generation. There are a couple of additions. Uh, The additional standard 
this is a new generation, so graphics are slightly improved, music is slightly improved, um, but mostly it is the the same comforting Pokemon franchise game that I have come to expect every fall of my life. <laughs> I do kind of like Pokemon because even though the last non-Pokemon Go I've played it was the remake of, I think it was the remake of Gold and Silver, and I didn't even play that a lot. Um, I still know that if I wanted to, I could probably pick up this Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and be completely, like, be confused about the individual Pokemon, but be completely at home with everything about it. Oh, yes. Um, one of the things, I think it is both a, uh, both a pro and a con of these games that you always know what you're getting. You always know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's... These last generations have been kind of fun because I think they're the first time that somebody has like looked at the standard structure of a Pokemon game and thought we can make changes to that. Hmm. Um, so you don't have the typical like gyms full of trainers that you defeat and then fight the gym leader. Uh, the, the trials you go through are a little bit more uh, minigame esque than just straight trainer battles. So there's some new, there's some new fun stuff, but yeah, at, at its core, its core DNA, it's, it's still a Pokemon game and sure. that's fine with me. I've been playing these games for 18 years of my life. So, you know, I'm not going anywhere at this point. <laughs> the, the tentacles are locked in. They've got your money. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Okay. So today we're taking a little bit of a break. Um, we did not assign any homework last episode because today we're just going to talk about some of our favorite things to read and watch uh, and experience uh, media-wise over the holidays. Uh, these are not necessarily going to be holiday-themed movies, although some of them probably will be. Uh, just the just the stuff that we that we like to uh, to pull out every holiday season. Uh, to give us sort of a starting point, I will start by saying that my family, uh, we're a movie family. So on Thanksgiving, you know, post uh, post football game, we're more likely to turn on a movie than anything else. And one of our perennial favorites is Remember the Titans. Oh, I haven't seen yes. that movie in forever. Uh, it's the best. Um <laughs> I love an inspirational sports movie. I don't know if that's come up on the podcast before or not, uh, but even even for sports that I don't particularly enjoy, like I'm not a big football fan, um, but I do love I do love a story that culminates in athletic victory, uh, particularly one like Remember the Titans, which is a 2000 movie uh, starring um, Denzel Washington uh, about a high school in Virginia during the 19, uh, I was going to say the 1960s. Wikipedia is telling me it takes place in 1971. Um, and the, the high school is just becoming, uh, interracial. So it is a white high school that combines with a black high school. And then the two football teams have to, uh, combine and come together to win the national championship. Uh, spoiler alert, they do. It's wonderful. Everyone is friends at the end, but also the movie, you know, takes some some detours into civil rights unrest. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's comforting. I like sports. I like inspirational sports movies because you pretty much, unless you're watching Friday Night Lights, you know it's going to have a happy victory ending. Um, I recently learned that Ryan Gosling is, plays uh, Sunshine in Remember the Titans. Yes. Like a this super baby of, Ryan Gosling. This is one of those movies 
where everybody is in it. Mm-hmm. Turk from Scrubs is one of the players. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Will Patton is one of the coaches. Um, Hayden Panettiere plays his like little eight-year-old daughter. Kate Bosworth is one of the girlfriends. Like Everybody is in this movie. Huh, yeah. Well, this is making me want to rewatch Remember the Titans. Do it. <laughs> um. For myself, I, I think I'm going to start chronologically through the holiday season. Um, last couple years, I've gone up to uh, my fiance's family's place in northern Minnesota for Thanksgiving, um, and then she comes and joins us for Christmas. And they traditionally watch two episodes of The West Wing on Thanksgiving, um, the two Thanksgiving-themed episodes, uh, season two, episode eight, Shibboleth, and season three, episode seven, The Indians in the Lobby. Um, they're both really good West Wing episodes. They can stand alone. You know, like most West Wing episodes can stand alone, um, by, you know, like it's not part of an overarching arc. These two are particularly good standalones. Um, Shibboleth is about a group of, uh, Chinese Christians who are seeking refuge in the United States, um, and China wants them back, saying that they're not really Christians. Um, the Indians in the lobby, I actually don't remember that well uh it's importantly the episode with the butterball hotline um where president bartlett is informed that there is a hotline run by butterball that you can call uh to answer any question you might have about cooking a thanksgiving turkey um it's definitely like west wing at its best seasons two and three are like some of the strongest seasons of the show um And last Thanksgiving, and I'm sure this Thanksgiving too, it was really nice and also sad to watch a functional executive branch with a president who is likable and a good person and trying to do the right thing. Uh, This is supposed to be a light and fluffy episode. Yeah, good point, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Wikipedia is telling me that the Indians in the lobby, the A story is uh, CJ dealing with two... Uh, Indians who are there on behalf of their tribe uh, to get a re- get an answer on an application. I think the Wikipedia doesn't specify, but I think it's an application on land recovery. Yes. Uh, that was submitted 15 years ago. They're waiting for somebody to to speak to them, <laughs> um, to acknowledge their the their issues and. Uh, give them the assistance that they are waiting for. Yep. Nice little so sit-in. Yeah. It, it's it's one of the, uh, you know, I think one of the things the West Wing does so well, combining the, um, you know, lighter, jokier B or C plots with the, the heavy goings-on of politics. Yeah. Uh, that's a delightful tradition. I am not surprised at all that Martin's family <laughs> does that. Yep. It, it's a good one. So the next one I'm going to talk about, you know, I, I made sort of a, a dis, I gave, gave this episode a disclaimer by saying that we wouldn't necessarily be talking about holiday thematic things. But the next movie I'm going to talk about is a movie that I have playing um, not quite on repeat, but at least a couple of times, basically from <laughs> Halloween through Christmas. And that's The Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm glad you said that because I was <laughs> debating whether I should include that one. So No, it's the best. Um, obviously, you can watch this movie all year. 
I I don't know when it is not appropriate, but it is <laughs> the most appropriate between Halloween and Christmas, obviously. Um, I was just talking to uh, Bill, my husband, about this uh, movie the other day. We were looking at, I think somebody on the internet had a really good Nightmare Before Christmas tattoo, uh, which then we started talking about what we might get. And for me, it's when I was little, I remember seeing a trailer for this movie and the one, the image that's stuck in my head and has always stuck in my head is Jack pulling down the Christmas lights when he's in Christmas town, mm -hmm. pulling them down into his eye sockets during one of the songs like that. That's an image that stuck with me before I'd seen the movie. And it's always been one of my favorite visuals from that film, just that combination of the skull <laughs> surrounded by snow with the Christmas lights in his eyes. I love it. Nice. I just rewatched it for the first time. It felt like in years, um, like the weekend before Halloween. And I forgot, first off, how fast it goes. And second, like just how purely delightful it is. Um, it's like an 80 minute movie. It wastes no time. Yeah, I kept saying like, I'm going to leave after the scene and like, you know, stand up and, and go yeah. do something else. And then it's like, oh, the movie's three-fourths over. Yeah. And at that point, you may as well just stay and finish it. Yeah, exactly. Um, importantly, too, because it's like, uh, who is it? Harry Selleck, Henry Selleck's, like, uh, claymation. It still holds up visually. Like, it's not like, you know, 90s CGI or anything. It's it's just claymation. Um, so it still looks great. Yes, it came out in 1993. Um, it was direct Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck. It was not directed by Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. um, Produced and written by, and like, you know, he obviously his hand is all over the place. But oh, yeah. not oh, yeah. directly behind the camera. Um, all right, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a just like my perennial Christmas time movie, which is uh, Will Ferrell's Elf. Um, <gasps> looking for the year of that one. Uh, 2003. Um, I don't know. It's just a delightful movie. Will Ferrell as a enormous man-child elf who, uh, learns that he's adopted, um, and goes on a, a journey to New York City to find his real dad. Uh, he finds the store that sells the world's best cup of coffee. Uh, he meets and falls in love with Zoe Deschanel at a, um, Santa shop in, like, a big Manhattan, um, department store. Uh, and he meets his real birth father and, um, moves in with him and helps save Christmas. So, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is infinitely quotable. Um, I, I think I end up quoting it, you know, once a week in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and it's infinitely rewatchable. I was very skeptical about that movie. It took me a long time to watch it because I don't like cringy humor. Mm-hmm. I end up missing a lot of Will Ferrell movies for that. And because also, frankly, a lot of Will Ferrell movies aren't all that great. Yeah. Uh, Elf is Elf is so charming. When I saw it, I was like, I'm so sorry. I made assumptions about this movie, but it is like just so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find a better word than charming because I already said that and I really can't. Elf is great because, unlike a lot of other Will Ferrell movies, it's not cringy humor. It's it's a very sweet movie. It's very much, like, in the spirit of Christmas. Um, 
in in all the best ways. So there are, you know, gags and there's, you know, you sit on a throne of lies, you smell of beef and cheese kind of humor, but it's not cringy. It's just like earnest. It's really, yeah, earnest is a good word for it. It's really sweet and almost kind of innocent, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, fits. I, I'm glad that they went that way with his character rather than, like, total embarrassment humor. Right. Plus, it's it's rated PG. You could definitely have this on at a family gathering with, you know, not, like, four-year-olds, but, like, eight-year-olds. Um, there's nothing raunchy or, you know, vulgar about it. So the other thing, the next thing that I want to talk about is not a one specific movie, but it is my deep love for holiday TV specials. Um, last last year or the year before, I don't remember which, uh, Netflix made a Christmas special with Bill Murray that was wonderful. It was like super traditional um kind of skits with musical interludes and lots of celebrity guest spots and uh, just a totally silly premise. Like Bill, the premise of it um, is that Bill Murray is trying to get to uh, the studio to record his holiday special, but it's snowing really bad outside and he you know, has trouble getting there. So all these celebrities get recruited to like help him out. And at one point he is like in a smoky bar singing, um, you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it's just, it's like, so 1950s throwback, um, like Holly, uh, holiday classic stuff. And I just, I love that retro feel, um, with the traditional Christmas carols, because apart from All I Want for Christmas is You, no one's written a good Christmas song since, like, 1965. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, I love, I love holiday specials. I love it when TV shows do Christmas or Thanksgiving specials. I love the... Um, just when when all of media seems to be getting into the Christmas spirit, as it were. I never got around to seeing that Bill Murray one. Um, hopefully, they'll re-air it this year. Uh, but it looked—it looked like something that, on the one hand, is up my alley, Bill Murray and all his friends. Uh, on the other hand, I'm much less, I guess, into the various Christmas specials and all that. So it's like, well, it's a—it's a media or a format that I wouldn't gravitate to. But Bill Murray and all his friends is something I do enjoy. So I would probably oh, yeah. enjoy the, the combination. At the end of the day, it's still Bill Murray. Like, he's still doing his thing, and, you know, just also you get musical interludes. Right. Uh, Well, speaking, I'm going to do a little bit of a minor segue. The the one exception to that statement I just made that I'm not generally into, like, you know, I hate being out in public during this time of year because after the first 500 times I hear Christmas songs, I'm done. Uh, and the first 500 times happened about 10 years ago, so I'm done. Uh, but there's a major exception to that, which I will, I guess, two major exceptions. Um, the first is all of Sufjan's various Christmas albums, uh, Sufjan Stevens, 
has put out a Christmas album almost every year. They're, some of them are very short. Many of them are very short. Um, but it's part of the hipster standard Christmas song catalog. Um, it's various covers of Christmas music. Some of it is good. Some of it is objectively bad. Uh, when he's in his more experimental phases, his version of uh, Good King Wenceslas is not great, but it's interesting. <laughs> um, it's like, what if King Wenceslas was done with beginning ideas of what, like, electronic music should sound like, but not, like, finalized ideas of what it should sound like. Um, interesting. <laughs> my other major exception to my dislike of Christmas music, eh, dislike is strong, my lack of excitement about Christmas music is the Bing Crosby, David Bowie, Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy duet um, that it was uh, recorded in 1977. Uh, it's sweet. It's very delightful. They're both wonderful singers. Um, and then Will Ferrell and John C. Riley parodied it a couple years ago um, to great effect. I would like to make a quick qualification on the uh, shade that I just threw at modern Christmas music. I want it to be clear that I mean new original Christmas songs. Right. I am all in on holiday music, and I am all in on pop cover on pop music covers of traditional Christmas carols. I am in love with like any of the Glee Christmas specials. I was totally down with any pop like every time a pop artist releases a Christmas album, I'm 100% in. She and I'm... him put out one a couple years ago that was really good. Wonderful. I I love it. I'm here for it. I am one of the only people on the planet that does not mind how early retail stores start playing their Christmas music. <laughs> I started playing it for myself privately in my car like back around halloween i (laughs) i am the person i am the person facebook complains about starting uh starting to play christmas music too early and i'm not ashamed halloween decor can go up on october 1st christmas decor can go up uh, the day after thanksgiving i'm not talking about decorations Um, music is part of that too that's that's Uh when that season starts (laughs) i'm i'm the the person for the most part, I agree with you. I just start feeling festive much mm. sooner than that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, my family has a couple of, I think we have six or seven holiday albums that are just on, you know, once once Thanksgiving is over, are on like permanent repeat in our house. <laughs> uh, one of them is... Um, they do, they were doing one of these, like, every year, um, oh. Surprise, it's Sufjan Stevens! (laughs) (laughs) No, there's a, A Very Special Christmas is the name of the album, like, series, they do one, they were doing, there's like four or five of them, I think at this point, and all of the tracks are like traditional Christmas songs, but sung by rock and roll groups. Mm, sure. So on um, the one that we play, it's like uh, Bruce Springsteen sings Merry Christmas, Baby. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know what? That's literally the only version of that song I've heard, so I thought he wrote it. He may have. Okay. I don't know. Tom Petty is the first track on it. It's got Madonna's Santa Baby on it. Um, you know, my family has that exact same album, because as you're going down yeah. the list, I'm like, I know that song. I know that song, yeah. too. Because it's the best. <laughs> yeah. So we have that one. We have a like a Mannheim Steamroller album. Uh, we have a Chieftains album, which I really love. I'm 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 100% here for like Irish f- flavored Christmas music with bagpipes and drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have six or seven albums, and I will get all I will get the specific names uh, for our listeners and put them in the blog post because I just don't have them handy right now. Uh, but it's all very traditional choral style. Um, well, I guess choral and then also the rock and roll stuff. Um, <laughs> right, right. But we're we're very much in the, like, we have our... I, I don't know that we've ever, like, permanently added a new album to that rotation. We We very much have, like, a these are the albums that we listen to during the Christmas season. And like, we'll, we'll splash something in every once in a while, but those are the ones that get like the solid permanent rotation. And when did that get locked in? Is this like a a 15 year old, like this is the set list. As, as long as I can remember being cognizant of what music I was listening to. Sure. Sure. Like that very special Christmas uh, album. That's what we decorate the tree to. And as far as I can tell you that's always been true i mean obviously it had to be released at some point (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like i said as as far back as i can remember being able to like determine that i was listening to music Mm -hmm. that's what i remember having on nice it's nice to have that sort of like ancient you know bedrock foundation of music um we had some like xrt produced album probably from around the same time as that uh, very special Christmas album, uh, XRT, uh, Alternative Radio Station in Chicago. Um, and those two definitely got a lot of play around Christmas. They probably still do. It's like a jazzy version of the uh, the Peanuts um, yeah. Snoopy song. Yeah. Um, Lin- Linus speaking and Lucy. Of, <laughs> speaking of movies that I watch every year yep. around Christmas. <laughs> and also, speaking of the music, that uh, Vince Guaraldi uh, soundtrack is one of the few that I am just perennially happy to listen to. Always. It's so happy. It's not even like specifically Christmas feeling, although I mean it is because it's from the, the Peanuts Christmas special, but Well like they, they sing Otan like, and Bomb, but the rest is just jazzy. Yeah, jazzy and chipper and happy. I really love the music that they play during the ice skating scene in the opening. Mm-hmm. That sort of swirly, wintry uh, tune. Yeah, it's very <laughs> floaty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we promised that we weren't going to be talking necessarily about christmas movies more just holiday things in general um and and the next one i have fits that bill uh it's not a specific piece of media so much as a family tradition around media um 
the last couple years, and I don't remember when we started doing this, it just sort of slowly, naturally began happening. Uh, my family developed a tradition of going to see a movie on Boxing Day. Um, the last couple years, it's been the Star Wars movies, which has been great. Uh, Disney, Lucasfilm, just keep pumping out Star Wars movies every Christmases. I'll be there a couple times uh, each movie. Um, but my favorite memory of this was years ago when uh, Les Mis came out. Um, we all went to go see it. My youngest brother does not like musicals. He particularly did not like hearing the people sing uh, in Les Mis. So in, during the movie, about five, ten minutes in, I'm sitting next to him, and I see that he's put his hood of his hoodie up, folded his arms, and he went to sleep. Uh, so uh, after that, we haven't gone to a musical. Um, there also haven't been musicals to go to, but uh, he slept right through, or tried to sleep right through Les Mis. Um, but our, our tradition of just going to a movie every Boxing Day is really nice. It's You spend time with family, but you also, like, get to see a movie, get to talk about it afterwards. Um, and yeah, it's a Star Wars movie, so that's even better. I hardly ever do it because I'm usually the only one who wants to. But Christmas Day is actually a really nice time to go see movies. Um, you practically get the theater to yourself. That's you and all your Jewish friends. Yeah. Um, and you frequently get a lot, like there are, um, studios release a lot of good stuff on mm -hmm. Christmas Day. Like I think this year, I, or right around Christmas, um, I think the, uh, the P.T. Barnum biopic with Hugh Jackman is coming out, uh, pretty close to Christmas this year. I did not even know that was a thing. Oh my god, it's called The Greatest Showman. It's a musical inspired by the life of P.T. Barnum starring uh, Hugh Jackman in the, you know, the P.T. Barnum role. Right, I'm going to so push hard that be... my family goes to that instead of Star Wars just to make Kev really unhappy. <laughs> That's not very Christmassy of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like that kind of movie that sort of glitzy over the top. See, I think musicals are perfect for christmas because they're you know i'm already feeling a lot of emotions mm -hmm. just because of the holiday and they are frequently just more so than you know there's yeah. more emoting there's more like, uh musicals dial it up to 11 yeah and that's the kind of thing that i like to like to go see i think um yeah, I don't remember the last time I went to the theater on Christmas Day, but I do, I, when I've been, it's always been really nice. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice way to kind of decompress in the middle of the day. Like in the morning, um, if your family is a morning presence uh, people like we are, like you wake up, you have breakfast, you open presents, and then you get a little bit of decompression before doing any sort of big family dinner uh, for the end of the day. That's a good point. Usually we just sort of like, hang around and loaf around and chill but it's very unstructured going to a movie would definitely be structured yeah, also my parents oh sorry it sounds like neither of us go to church so <laughs> no yep we used to go to um night services on christmas eve which i actually really enjoyed uh, they're really beautiful and again i love uh chamber music mm. um particularly christmas chamber music um but I, I wouldn't want to go to that kind of thing alone, and now I don't know if I could get anyone to go with me. Right. 
So I'm going to finish my end of this episode by skipping forward after Christmas a little bit to talk about New Year's Hmm. just very quickly, because one of my favorite things to do on New Year's Eve is the Twilight Zone Marathon. Hmm. I don't know if that's a thing for you or your family, Pete, but I believe it's Turner Classic Movies, the TCM channel, uh, always runs a Twilight Zone marathon. Actually, I think as I'm ta- as I'm saying that, I think a couple places do because for a while, Sci-Fi Channel did it. Like um, I, I distinctly remember watching random episodes of the Twilight Zone like around this time, um, mm-hmm. or you know, around New Year's, but I I never thought of it as like an annual marathon tradition. Yep. Um, And they always end with the episode, uh, the New Year's Eve episode with that horrible family that gets the masks that end up sticking to their faces. They're all (laughs) fighting. They're all fighting over their like grandfather's fortune or something. And he's on his deathbed and they're all basically like waiting for this guy to die. And he says, you know, have this last new year's eve with me put on these masks we'll celebrate and then once the clock turns midnight they're all stuck with these really horrible masks that show what kind of terrible people they are sure that seems like a a good classic twilight zone moralizing story yeah it's it's kind of nice just having that run all day because you can kind of dip in and out um you know uh Twilight Zone has those great half-hour episodes, so you can stop whatever you're doing, watch a quick episode, go, you know, f- prepare for whatever party or event or whatever, dip in when you when you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, I, I feel like Twilight Zone episodes are a little hit or miss. Like we all love the ones that are amazing, but there are oh, yeah. a handful where it's like, eh, next. Uh, so it's nice for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my last one is also not traditionally a holiday movie so much as a holiday tradition um my family does a big christmas eve party um and then a big christmas day party as well because why not uh but after our christmas eve parties for the last we're going on like five or six years now um you know we'll get home at midnight or one o'clock or something uh and my brothers and i will put on the dark night um hey because nothing says christmas like the dark night um, we're all a little bit drunk, we're all a little bit sleepy, it's a movie we've seen enough times that if you fall asleep on the couch watching it, that's fine, you know what happens anyway, um, and it's kind of just a fun tradition that has nothing to do with Christmas, but has a lot to do with us, since we all, like, love Batman, love the Dark Knight. Batman Returns would be a more traditional Christmas choice, but, you know, whatever, Dark Knight's more fun. Well, and I do love um, stealth Christmas movies, mm-hmm. like movies that are not really about Christmas, but are sort of about Christmas. I mean, the like the Hard. classic one there is Die Hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but just movies that are sort of subtly like uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has a scene at a Christmas party that sort of oh, informs. Right. Yeah, sort of informs the time period that it's taking place and just stuff like that. It's like this is not a holiday movie. But it also kind of is. Iron Man 3 is another one of those. All of those are hard to gauge, though, because, like, being set in L.A., you don't see snow. You don't see the cold. Everyone's running around in t-shirts. So it doesn't feel quite like it, even though it is. Curse you, L.A. Yeah. (laughs) 
on that note, um, thank you for listening to our own holiday special. I hope that all of our listeners have uh, a lovely, uh, lovely holiday season, as full or not with uh, pop culture as you would like it to be. I know some people do enjoy kind of disconnecting for a while, which is fine. It's the nice thing about the holidays. You get to celebrate the way you want it to. For our next episode, we are going to be joined by a friend of the show and my personal friend, Sarah Caputo. She is going to join us uh, to talk on the theme of transformation. Uh, Sarah is assigning us all the 1985 uh, film Fright Night. This is not the remake uh, with um, Colin Farrell, uh, but the original. Uh, Pete, what's our homework from you? Uh, I'm assigning The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1, The Faust Act, a graphic novel uh, written by, I'm going to go with Kieran Gillen, uh, and drawn by Jamie McKelvey. And I am assigning you all Scott Westerfeld's YA classic, Uglies. Uh, We will see you all. Do we want to uh, uh, plug the show and our own plugs? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to follow us, um, you can find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, basically anywhere uh, you get your podcasts. You can find us at our home on the web at homeworkpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DYDYHpodcast. You can find us on Facebook just by searching for our name. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, ideas for future shows, you can contact us at any of those places, or you can email us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. Pete, if people wanted to find you on the internet, where would they look? You can find me on Twitter at Pico3000, P-I-K-O 3000. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at MagicalMartha. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Class dismissed.